you unconventional conventionists out there, welcome to Rocky Talkie, the show where we talk about anything and everything related to Rocky Horror. I'm Aaron. I'm Nikki. And I am John. And we have an amazing show lined up for you guys today. We're super excited to go through some global news, some community news, and an awesome question for Nikki asked the question. But first off, let's talk about what did we do this week? John, what were you up to? I didn't really do much this week, Aaron. However, the combination of Unky Bidey's stimmy check that's going to be coming out, as well as my tax return, I decided to jump the gun and buy a $1,100 camera. Ooh. Which one was it? I got the, the Sony Alpha 6400 and ended up being like $1,083 after tax. And then I had to buy like a cam link and stuff for like my stream setup because I'm using it as my like webcam uh, for for streaming. But also for like pretty picture taking and for, you know, other things. Very nice. Getting some high quality OnlyFans content. Yeah, exactly. You know my vibes. <laughs> Nikki, how about you? What have you been up to? <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, I'm very excited. Hi, John. So this week I decided I've been wanting to do this thing for a while and I haven't done it because I've been nervous about like putting the money down for it and regretting it. And this week I was like... finally made an OnlyFans. No. Oh. This week I was like, fuck it. Shut up, men. I finally put together a Scarlet Witch cosplay the rest is coming in in the mail. I have some of it. I'm so freaking excited. I'm going to be so hot. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's it. Who's Scarlet Witch? Wanda oh. Maximoff, WandaVision, Elizabeth Olsen. Holy Paul shit. Bettany. Fucking spoilers, Nikki. No, she- that's wow. just her name wa- in the comics. Wow. Wanna- Honestly, wanna- can- oh. Cancel Nikki. No, that sounds awesome. I'm super excited to see you in that. That sounds so cool. I'm so excited. Is it just for Halloween, just because you want some cosplay around, or you got an event? I don't really have an event or anything. I don't leave my house, but I do want to, like, do, like, photo shoots. Maybe I can make some, like, TikToks. And just to, like, wear in my kitchen while I cook and just feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> so Scarlet Witch OnlyFans is what I'm hearing? Scarlet Witch into kitsch for today. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> Oh, well, I've also had a good week. I didn't buy anything super expensive, didn't uh, get any new costumes, but uh, I have been watching a lot of news radio reruns. Uh, Finally got Meg into that. I absolutely love the show. I love all of the crappy sitcoms from, like, the mid-90s and whatever, and, you know, this is the one where, like, they're all radio station hosts, and it's got Andy Dick and and a bunch of other fantastic uh, comedians. It's a good show. I'm really enjoying it, and... Brings me back. It brings me back to, you know, when I was 13, 14 years old, you know, it's Friday nights, Thursday nights. It comes on before the Drew Carey show. So I'd sit down and watch it with my family and they're 20 minutes. So it's fantastic to, to check them out now and you don't have to worry about, oh, I got too far into it because they're one offs, right? So I love I love that out of all the uh, incredible talent that is in news radio, the one person that you pointed out was Andy Dick. It's the only thing that he has ever done that I like him in. Like, by by far, my favorite in that show is, is Phil Hartman. Like, unquestionably, he plays uh, Bill McNeil, like, the, the biggest asshole, like, radio guy on that. So, obviously, I connect with him the most as a character. Of course. Uh, but, no, Andy, Andy Dick's hilarious in it. He's, like, he does Pratt Falls constantly, and it's the only thing I can stand him in. So, you know, worth. I'll take it. All right, and with that, let's move on over to our first segment. It's time for some global news. No, it's not. Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah. All right, starting off our global news segment, we've got some new Rocky Horror Show UK tour dates added to the current schedule. The production has announced this week that they're going to be performing at the Blackpool Winter Gardens on Saturday, December 11th, 2021, and at the New Theater in Cardiff on Saturday, February 12th, 2022. So as of right now, the touring production has plans to make its return to stage with a five-night run at the whole New Theater in Kingston Square, which begins on Monday, April 5th. Although both the company and the theater are very outspoken about their uncertainty that the performance will actually take place. 
As always, we're hoping for the best for the company. We love that you guys are still plugging along with new show dates, and we're very hopeful that sometime soon they'll stick. Speaking of things that are sticky, if you just haven't gotten enough of Uncle Barry's beautiful face through all his GalaxyCon appearances, we've got some wonderful news for you. Barry Bostwick is scheduled to make an in-person appearance for meet and greets at Spooky Empire Convention in Orlando, Florida from April 30th to May 2nd, 2021. According to their website, Spooky Empire has been delivering the best sights, sounds, and screams to Halloween lovers since 2003 and features an enormous room of vendors, a film and tattoo festival, celebrity speakers, and more to satiate even the most diehard aficionados of the spooky season. Spooky. Boo. Say spooky again, Nikki. S- no. <laughs> oh, okay. You, you said it. Yeah, okay. Bye. So they've hosted the premier convention in the southeastern United States twice per year, once in the spring and the other all-out mega convention near Halloween. The spring 2021 convention is planned, like we said, for April 30th through May 2nd at the Wyndham Orlando Resort. We do feel it's worth noting that Spooky Empire, which is just such a great name, has yet to comment on how they're going to be making such a large event safe. Although the convention is still like nearly two months away, so it is possible they could still be working on it Uh, i mean it's florida so it could really go either way so if you'd like to learn more about the event or buy tickets or maybe just wait and see what their safety procedures will be before you buy tickets i'm just saying very that but you can do all those things at their website which is spookyempire.com stay safe uncle barry we love you please don't die honestly though Speaking of dying, the next thing we have coming up is community news. Uh, ah! So first up in community news, we've got another virtual show for you on March 18th. Vancouver Island University's student-run theater group known as The Seder Players is going to be presenting their 25th annual production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast. Usually, the group performs in person, but this year they're hopping on the virtual show bandwagon with the rest of us schmucks, and they'll be broadcasting a pre-recorded performance for us. 25th annual? Wow. Yeah, they've been doing it for fucking ever. That's longer than a lot of casts have been, right? That's longer than a lot of people who are alive on these casts. Oh, man. On this podcast. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) So, Christopher Carter, the show's director and resident Brad Majors, has really put a lot of care into making sure that this virtual show is every bit as entertaining and fun as the live shows his cast usually presents are. Nailed it. In an article on bclocalnews.com, Christopher states... It's important to make sure we get it as beautiful and right as we possibly can and also just have fun with it because it's really our first time where everyone is on stage and just having fun instead of just sitting home hoping for something to happen. Carter went on to explain that the cast's original plan was to host a drive-in show, but that they ultimately decided to choose a pre-taped performance in a theater. That way we can at least have some audience in the background just cheering us on and calling us names. Chris, that's so fair. Drive-ins are a great time. I love drive-ins so much. I love the honking and the environment and the headlights. It's crazy. But the difference between a show with AP and a show where you're not getting any feedback or energy from the audience is night and day. Yeah, of course. With any show, you as an actor are always doing your best to put as much energy into your performance as you possibly can. Like, that's what makes the show good. But it's infinitely easier to tap into that energy when you're getting it back from the audience, like even if it's just a small crowd. You know, since NYC RHPS and not COVID times, we perform every Friday and Saturday year round. And obviously, there are seasons for Rocky. You know, the fall is really big for Rocky. And I feel like the end of spring, early summer with prom season is also really big for us specifically. But then you have like January, February, and March, where like nobody is coming to the city in their right mind because it's freezing. And we have pretty small shows during those times. I personally always try to give 110% every show that I'm casted for. And specifically when I'm Trixie. uh, And of course, again, this is something that happened before COVID. I'm going to have to think of something new. But 
when I used to play Trixie, I used to go into the audience and, like, eat people's popcorn and, like, drink out of their water and stuff like that just to give them a little bit more of, like, really intense interaction because I feel like the more interactive you are with your audience, the more likely they are to buy into it. Oh, for sure. I mean, the thing that always jumps out to me is when you're doing the pre-shows or you're hosting a show and even if that audience is completely full up if they're not giving you anything if they're not responding to you boy you don't even want to be up there you know you're just standing there cursing at them and it's just falling flat it really helps even if there's just that one guy in the front row who's so excited to be there and is like eyes glued on you the whole time you can just focus on that one guy and as long as you're giving a good show to him you know that the rest of the crowd's going to enjoy it one thing that like always sticks out to me when all like when this conversation comes up is the importance of the environment that you create with your audience because fns2 in the colder months will bring in a smaller crowd obviously and what we try to do is we'll go down the line and just like chat with the audience you know like get them engaged but see who's feeling like the show more than others and ask them if they want to sit in the front row because if you have six people in the front row that are going absolutely crazy and like time warping and doing ap and going ape shit everyone behind them is going to just be put into that environment even if they didn't intend to you know so like the front row can really make a show and I feel like a lot of times like a boring show has been saved by just like one or two regulars that are just trying to have a good time that's a great tip Nikki yeah yeah I know we usually block off our front row so yeah we block off our front row and then we have our second row which is our front row Right. And and the times when like our theater oversells and we have to fill that front row, usually it's the people that are like the most excited that we grab to throw up there. And yeah, oh, 100%. It works out so much better to have people giving that energy back. Absolutely. Yeah, we call the front row the splash zone. <laughs> Not anymore, I guess. <laughs> but Carter was sure to mention that even though performances will be a very small gathering, everyone involved will be taking COVID safety precautions to make sure that everyone stays safe, including wearing face shields. My uh, favorite part of this article was about Brandon Martell, a student who was involved in last year's production as an assistant stage manager and has been a techie in past years before that. He decided to take the plunge and join in on stage this year as Riff Raff. So in the article, Brandon says, I've never really been a part of the flamboyant crowd, and over the years I've really come out of my shell, and this year I just thought, what the heck, I might as well get on stage. Like, good for you, dude. If there is ever a time to just say fuck it and take the leap, it's definitely now. Yep, agreed. And especially with Riff as a character, like, I feel like Riff is a really good introduction for somebody who has never been kind of part of that crowd. Like, I personally, like, I never had a problem, you know, wearing a dress or putting on heels or anything like that in the past. But I was a little bit hesitant when I started performing with Rocky to jump into a character that was like Janet, you know, for example, or Trixie or something like that. So I actually did start with Riff, and it was a really good segue into, you know, being more comfortable with myself in clothing that's not necessarily abide to my gender role. You know, now I don't give a fuck and I wear whatever the fuck I want. But Riff is a really good character for you kind of getting comfortable because he's pretty male presenting for the most part until the end where he wears like stockings and heels. So like, I think it's a really good way. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and especially if you're not comfortable, you know, being naked on stage like Brad has to be or if you're you know, just looking for something that isn't constantly the center of attention, like Frank or some of the other characters. Plus, it really helps that, like, Magenta can drag you around for half of the show. So even if you don't know the blocking or, you you know, and vice versa, if you're a new performer who wants to start off on Magenta or something, it's always easier to have that kind of dynamic where Riff and Magenta are locked together the whole show and you can essentially just follow the other one around to make sure that you know that you're in the right spot to hit your cues. Yep. He's a, he's a great starter character. VIU's performance will take place on March 12th at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Tickets are pay what you can because it's important to the cast that they make the performance accessible to everyone. If you'd like to learn more about the VIU Seder players, the performance, or if you'd like to buy tickets, you can visit the group's Facebook or showpass.com page. We've got a link to both of those in our show notes. And last, 
but certainly not least. Uh, most. I think this is another instance of last and most. Last and most, we've got another super exciting piece of community news to share. This time, it comes from us. We here at Rocky Talkie are so excited to announce that we're going to be hosting Community Pre-Show Night. On Saturday, March 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be streaming some of our absolute favorite Rocky pre-shows. Some of them will be from past conventions, some will be from our casts, and some will just be the best ones we found on YouTube. And while, of course, we've got some top choices picked out, we're asking our listeners and members of the community to send in submissions for videos for us to include. It doesn't have to be strictly like Rocky Horror Pre-Show's TM either. Like, if you have favorite musical numbers or skits or, like, Rocky Horror-themed TikToks, other Shadowcast performances that you love, basically, if it could conceivably count as a pre-show, just send it in. Like, we're not going to be super picky. The virtual show is about hanging out together as a community and watching some fun shit. If you want to share it, then we'd love to include it. Yeah, if you want to submit a short-form video to be included in the pre-show night lineup, you can either go to our website, that's rockytalkypodcast.com, and use the Contact Us form, or you can send us an email at rockytalkypodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to either send us a video file or just a link. Either way works. Also, make sure to include your name, your cast affiliation, and a cast or creator logo for us to use if you've got one. We've already gotten some really great submissions, and we're hoping for even more. And once again, the show will take place on Saturday, March 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern on rhpslive.com. We're so excited, and we can't wait to see you there. Ah! I'm pumped. Ah, this is going to be so much fun. Hi, pumped. I'm John. All right. All right, bitches. All right. All right. Calm down. No. It's Nikki Asks a Question time, okay? Oh, that time already. I'm Nikki, and here's a question, all right? From Jill. Not from me. So welcome to Jill Asks a Question. It's a good one, John. Do the thing. Oh, oh, the thing? Yeah, the thing. You want me Please. to do the thing? Please do the thing. Okay. So Jill writes, Um, no, hey no, 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 no. I have another question no, not, that not I that can't thing. believe not wrong I thing. hadn't thought wrong to thing. ask before. Because I've been confused about it ever since the first time I watched RHPS. What exactly is Columbia, like, doing at the castle? I know that she and Magenta were originally one character, that she's listed as a groupie, and that she sort of, like, works for Frank along with Riff and Magenta. But I feel like that's all we really know about how she fits into the group. I've heard that her verse in Time Warp is about her being, like, picked up by Frank, but why? And if it is about Frank, that means he drives a pickup truck, which just feels wrong. And she's human, right? She's not an alien like Frank, Riff, and Magenta. Maybe this is basic Rocky knowledge and I haven't done my research well enough. Or maybe it's just one of those things that doesn't really have a thorough answer. But why try to figure it out on my own when I can just ask y'all to do it for me? Thank you so much for answering. I hope you have some fun with it. Moi. Okay, sure. This one's been on my list for a while. I feel like we all have a general idea what the answer to this is going to look like, but good question. What exactly is Columbia doing at the castle? And all the other stuff about her origin. Let's go through it. This is totally one of those questions that we would talk about at the bar after Rocky. Like, whenever a new group of people joins the cast, inevitably there's going to be a night where someone starts asking about the plot of the whole thing, and, like, when they do, half the old-timers just wander off while the most Rocky-obsessed asshole in the room, (coughs) Aaron, holds court for the bushy-eyed newbies. And, like, over a series of drinks, (coughs) Aaron, they drop increasingly random Rocky knowledge bombs on the new recruits. You know, stuff like Susan had pneumonia, there's a deleted Broadriff buttfuck scene, and the castle is now a hotel. I feel so called out, guys. Yeah, you should. Yes. Well, not like that's ever stopped me. So, uh, great question, Jill. (laughs) Let's dig into it. So, in the show, you have Columbia's backstory told across a couple of different songs. You've got Time Warp, Eddie's Teddy, you've got her blow up at the end of Freezing Scene, and you've got her verse in the floor show. We're going to walk through this chronologically so we can piece together Columbia's story. First up, we've got her verse in Time Warp that gives us the earliest frame of reference before Columbia has even met Frank, Eddie, or anyone else. This is from the original 1973 cast recording. Well, I was 
So in isolation, it's pretty straightforward. Like Columbia was picked up by Frank in a truck. She was seduced by his devil eyes and was under his spell. That verse is about Frank. I always thought it was about Eddie. You know, Meg said the exact same thing, but no, it's about Frank. Ew, Jill was absolutely right. Frank would not drive a pickup truck. Um, he would in the stage show. This is one of those things that was lost in translation to the film. When the show was glamified and everyone kind of leaned into all of the campier aspects. A busted pickup truck is a fairly common, like, schlock horror film trope. Like, driven by the hero, the villain, or just used to set the location as, like, middle America. You know, and Richard was very heavily leaning into all of these tropes. Right, but don't take our word for it. Take Tim Curry's. His interpretation of the role on stage was, quote, more like a truck driver, even though the character was dressed in heels and garters. Dory Hartley, the original 8th Street Frankenfurter, had a very on-point way of describing Frank's demeanor, calling him a, a, apologies for the slur here, quote, faggot Clint Eastwood. Not the best choice of words, but like, I get the sentiment. And remember, the play originally had like a lot grungier of an attitude, a lot more raw, something that'll come up again in a moment. So Frank picks up Columbia and brings her back to the castle where she falls for him. At this point, the castle is just a wild party. Drugs, sex, and the Transylvanian way. And she's just another groupie along for the Frankie ride. How many tickets does it take to ride Frank? If it's like New Jersey Transit, you can get on for free, but you gotta pay to get off. Hey. <laughs> and at some point, Eddie stumbles into the picture. The delivery boy who brought Frank and company all of their favorite drugs. Sorry, um, I, up until like two weeks ago on Rocky Talkie, thought that Eddie was a pizza delivery boy. You know what? He is. Thank you. Yeah. No, he's not, because for Riff, and probably Frank as well, their favorite drug seems to be morphine. See, in Over at the Frankenstein Place, Riff's verse... Well, here, we'll just play it. This is from the original Australian cast album. The darkness must flow Down the river of night's dreaming Flow, morphia, slow Let the sun and light come streaming into my Right, so Morphia is a derivative of the name Morpheus. Morpheus is the Greek god of sleep, and the drug morphine is named from Morpheus because it causes sleep. I thought it was a Matrix reference. I was in a band called Morphia once. I hate both of those things that you just said. <laughs> in Britain, amongst the medical community starting around the early 19th century, morphine was commonly called Morphia. So, there you go. Yep. And Frank's got band-aids and track marks on his arms. It was played down a lot for the film, but they are still present. You can see them in many, many places. And that's also the implication in Sweet Tea, like that Riff might be a little too in love with the Earth drugs. That he's so depressed lately because he's been doing too much of Eddie's sweet, sweet morphine. Or in Nikki's case, eating too much of Eddie's sweet, sweet pizza. This is from the <laughs> 1997 South African cast recording. How'd you do I? You've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little brought down because when you knocked, he thought you were the candyman. Didn't you freak him? But Eddie wasn't the delivery boy they were expecting that night. They ordered Italian. <laughs> ha. He'd already been to the castle and, by that point, was locked in the lab in the freezer, or the coke machine if you're watching the stage show, and he was missing half of his brain. Right, so at some point after picking up Columbia and having a fling with her, Frank decides to fuck Eddie. After all, he has a certain naive charm. You suck. <sighs> Frank getting it on with Eddie annoys the crap out of Columbia as she's also fallen for Eddie. Her verse in Eddie's Teddy tells us that story, and this is from everyone's favorite version, the 2016 Let's Do the Time Warp Again remake. Everybody shoved him, I very nearly loved him. I said, hey, listen to me, stay sane, and 
up with these audio samples? Do we not just have the movie soundtrack? What? You want to get hit with a DMCA complaint? Oh, duh. Carry on. Right. So this verse in Eddie's Teddy is Columbia's telling of how Eddie was being abused by everyone as a drug mule, as a plaything, as a sex toy. She fell for him and tried to create this little island inside the Transylvanian pool of insanity. But Eddie pushed her away and he just dove headfirst. As Dr. Scott later sings in the same song, Eddie always had a penchant for danger. He fell into a spiral of drugs, porn, and rock and roll. And even Columbia couldn't pull him back from the brink. Right, so at some point after Frank is done playing with Eddie, and long after he's already been done with Columbia, Frank decides that he wants to build Rocky. And, well, he's got a drugged-out ex-delivery boy just lounging about the place. Frank's done with Eddie, and he sure as shit doesn't care that Columbia's into him, since he's already lost interest in her as well. Right, this whole story is actually foretold very early in the stage show, but is cut from the movie to make Eddie's reveal even more dramatic. In the show, as Brad and Janet enter the castle, this exchange happens. This example's from the 2015 Rocky Horror Show live BBC broadcast. It's all right, Janet. Excuse me. Hi. Uh, look, if we could just use your phone, we'll move right along. I'm sure you got lots of things to do and a great evening planned. Oh, yes. You've arrived on a rather special night. The, the master is having one of his affairs. Lucky old him. Yeah. He's lucky. I'm lucky. You're lucky. We're all lucky. Eddie? The delivery boy. His delivery wasn't good enough. The master only wanted to help the boy better his position. Oh, that's very commendable. Yes. It seems like only yesterday since he went. Where? To pieces. Jeez. Spoilers much? Yeah, they established Eddie a lot earlier in the stage show. Originally, they planned in the shooting script for the movie to have an abbreviated version of this exchange take place in the lab right after Eddie exits the freezer. It may have even been filmed. We'll probably never know. It's certainly not in the movie. Yeah, and after Eddie and Columbia get in one final dance, we see Frank kill Eddie after hot patootie. And in the movie, Magenta cooks him up for dinner. At dinner, Columbia loses her shit, and eventually we get her rant at the end of the freezing scene. Which, I've got to say, if you haven't ever seen the stage show, it is one of the funniest bits in the entire show. Remember, in the show, everyone isn't turned to stone. Instead, they're drugged. Columbia's reaction is scripted to be a really weird trip, and it's almost always used as an opportunity for Columbia to improvise. Here, take a listen to Little Nell's version from the 2020 live stream put on by the Wisconsin Democrats. Mom. God! I can't take any more of this. First you spurn me for Eddie, and then you throw him off like an old overcoat for Rocky. You, you chew people up and then spit them out. I loved you. Do you hear me? I loved you. And what did I get for it? A big nothing. Oh. You're like a sponge. You take, take, take and drain others of their love and emotion. Yeah, well, I've had enough of it. You've got to choose between me and Rocky. So call for That's the rats in his head. That's a choice. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, wow. Wait, wait, wait. Ooh. Oh, groovy. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This is crazy. Wait. And, oh, this is a hell of a trip. Whoa. Oh, my God. This is freaky. Okay, okay. Oh, my God. This is a great trip. I'm out of here. See you later. <laughs> Oh, 
Every Columbia is so proud of themselves when they scream that whole monologue. I've seen everything from Columbia singing verses from R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly to the Looney Tunes That's All Folks to one version where the actress literally sings the entire chorus to Cardi B's WAP before wandering off stage. It's a great time. I mean, like, she explains it pretty clearly. Yeah, the, the entire story, bam, right there. First, Frank trades her in for Eddie, then dumps him in the trash literally when he makes Rocky. She loved him, and he didn't care. And if you still missed it, we've got a whole recap a few minutes later in Columbia's foreshowverse, though this one hints that Columbia was in a really dark place. That's probably why she acts like a broody teenager for the entire movie. Hey, I take offense for all you teenagers out there. Go clean your room. (sighs) I guarantee you it needs to be clean. Am I right, Nikki? No, I actually rearranged it yesterday. Thank you, though. I don't believe you. Anyway, let's listen to this foreshow verse. Right? The 1991 Icelandic cast album. I feel like I just had a stroke. I'm sorry. English, please? Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, shit, wait. God damn it. That's from the punk rock album, right? Sure is. That album sucks. Sure does. There's like two good songs. Yep. Regardless, it doesn't matter the language or the musical genre, you get the same story. Like, Columbia was so happy when she first came to the castle, being a good little groupie, putting out, getting high, and tip-tapping her nights away. But it all went sour when Frank made Rocky, and she's been in a really dark place ever since. Yeah, she was, like, despondent after Frank started working on Rocky. She's descended into this depressed world where only her love of a certain dope gives her anything to live for. Is the dope Eddie or, like, drugs? I imagine that it was Eddie, and then, like, after Frank, you know, slit his brain in half and dumped him in a freezer in order to make Rocky, I'm thinking it was probably the drugs. Either way, she has clearly given up. Poor girl put on her pajamas at like 6 p.m. and doesn't bother to change for the entire rest of the movie. Well, until Frank freezes her and makes her sing and dance. And then she meets a bitter end, murdered by Riff Raff. In the stage show, she jumps in front of Frank to save him from the lasers. So, I mean, she still loves him. And she's clearly a human, right? Not an alien, like Frank Riffin Magenta. That's why she just crumples and dies. Right. She is a human groupie. Are you sure that Columbia isn't a bard? Or like maybe a rogue? Or a fighter? No, a groupie. Fucking bards. Worthless class. You shut your mouth. Well, let's talk about the bard. It's hard to be the bard. Shakespeare. Shakespeare? No, uh, Richard O'Brien. Wow, I fucking hate you so much. (laughs) Love you too. So, Jill's got this detail right as well, though. Richard O'Brien initially conceived the plot with only one female servant. She was named Columbia. And we can see her listed in the earliest forms of Richard O'Brien's notes that are published in the Rocky Horror Scrapbook. However, she is hastily penciled into the list of characters and is credited with singing science fiction double feature at the show's opening. In this sense, a character named Columbia existed first. However, she was doing an amalgamation of the actions that Columbia and Magenta do in the final show. 
Rumor has it that 1960s singer Marianne Faithful at one point wanted to be in the show and sing its opening song. This rumor has become the stuff of Rocky Horror folklore. Oh, no, 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 no. Not another mystery. No, not like those. This was basically a rumor even when it originally happened, so exact timelines and details differ from one account to the other. You've got to remember, this was all before the show had even opened, or been fully cast. It was very early on in the creative process. What the accounts do have in common is that it seems that Jim Sharman advocated the creation of a completely new role to accommodate the possibility of, like, a celebrity casting, you know? Like, stunt casting. Richard O'Brien was annoyed by this request, and was very perplexed about how to invent a whole new character and, like, magically integrate her into the show. So he did what all Rocky people would do. He completely half-assed it. He split the female servant role and dialogue into two separate parts. Separate, but definitely unequal. He only gave Magenta literally four lines. Funny, funny story about that. Patricia Quinn auditioned for the show, and after hearing science fiction double feature, she was super eager to accept the usherette role, the one that would sing the song. Her agent warned her to take it slow in case the character was just a four-line part and advised that she first take a look at the script before making any kind of decision. So when Pat finally saw the script, she was thrilled to see science fiction double feature in all of its glory, but she also saw that, indeed, Magenta only had, like, four lines of dialogue. She didn't care. She said, quote, I don't give a shit. I'm going to do it because it's the best song I ever heard. That's my Patricia Quinn. That was really really good. good. It was really good and really British. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, very British. Yeah. In other interviews, Pat admitted that she hadn't been all that enthusiastic to play the domestic. On one occasion, she said, quote, She did have to hang about a lot, Magenta, but it's really wonderful to create something because you're it. All that come after, they're just pretending to be it, though some of them have been awfully good. She's right. Like, Magenta sure does just fucking stand around a lot. There's so many chances to just fuck off or, you know, make the character your own. I know that, like, when I play Magenta, the majority of the stuff that I'm doing is, like, not accurate to her at all because I don't like to just exist on stage, you know? I like people to pay attention to me, especially if I'm being a mini character, but at the same time not take away from the action at hand on stage. So, like, there's this one time that I remember where I was playing Magenta and I think Savannah was playing Riff. So we we swapped our, our traditional roles like i'm usually riff and savannah's usually magenta at that point the scene was planet schmanet and riff and magenta are just kind of like standing in the background for the majority of that scene until she starts yelling at frank which is half of her lines in the entire movie and i'm pretty sure there, like i think i like bent over and savannah just started like butt fucking me on stage while everything was happening or like sometimes in the middle of a scene i'll just purposely remove myself from the stage and just like sit down in the front row until i'm ready to do a thing again or like i'll come on stage and i'll like pick my nose and flick it at the audience again before covid or you know if it's any scene that has magenta that is during or after dinner i'll like pick toast up on the floor and put it in my underwear and then pull it out during planet Schmanna and start eating it sometimes i'll give the mop a, a a hand job while i'm waiting for a riff to fuck with the monster like sometimes i'll fall asleep during frank's creation speech like as you can tell there's many things that i do as magenta because she doesn't do anything the entire movie man can we can we talk about real quick like not to give away the secret, but, like, my favorite part of doing freezing scene as Riff is just that, like, every magenta decides to just bend over and give you a lap dance while you're standing there. Like, doesn't matter if you're five feet away, by the time she's got to bend over and flip the switch, she has worked her way over to you and is just like, mm, let me get up on that. You know? Like, yep. My cast is very different. <laughs> When I play Magenta for NYC, we call it Magenta because I don't even play Magenta. I play a very masculine Magenta. Like, I keep the beard, and I'm just a dude in a dress when I play Magenta. Mm. As opposed to, like, when I play, like, Janet, I try to act feminine. I act more Janet-like. But with Magenta, I turn into, like, this big chaos gremlin who just exists to (laughs) destroy the show as best as I can. And it turned out, like, the way that I portray Magenta, just because she just kind of stands there a lot and just exists for a majority of the movie, uh, the way that I portray Magenta 
kind of elevates her to being one of my favorite characters to perform. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you 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 got to find the thing that makes it entertaining, right? And it kind of sounds like Pat tried to do that. I mean, I certainly know every Magenta does now. Great examples that you just gave. But the important thing is that you want to be, from a Shadowcaster, from a leadership perspective, you want to be able to make a character your own without overstepping the other characters that are main in that scene. You know, like, I've seen so many performers that just... They ruin a scene because they go so big as a minor character that it overshadows, like, the creation speech or, like, Dr. Scott's monologue that happens during Planet Shmanit with with Brad and, you know, projecting it through space. Like, you gotta, you gotta be able to make yourself memorable without overstepping those boundaries. Oh, man. Dude, funny example of that. Did you know that when... Uh, the stage show moved to Los Angeles for the Roxy showing that they had Tim Curry, right? And they had some of the other actors who were, had already done it, but most of the cast they brought in and they were all these like Hollywood actors who were like up and coming stage show, whatever. So the first show that they ever did of it, Tim Curry comes out and he's doing his thing and everybody else, because they're like these Hollywood me, me, me actors, thinks that they have to upstage him. And they do this by literally upstaging him, by walking closer and closer to the front of the stage to do all of their stuff. But Tim, being the consummate actor that he is, he just stands in the back and is like, fuck you all and waits for them all to inch their way back so that they're back to where they're supposed to be and they're not trying to literally upstage him i love that so much funny story man funny story so that was that richard split the role magenta got her four lines and columbia shifted from servant to the tap dancing groupie we all know today her character would get fleshed out further during rehearsals wait but i remember from a few weeks back in rainer burton's book he was the original rocky in the stage show he talks about Columbia being created second and this whole story about how Jim Sharman saw Little Nell busking and wanted Richard to write her a role. Yeah, no. <laughs> so in the book, even Rainer admits that story is a fanciful legend that he prefers to believe since it's a nice story. So fake news. Unfortunately, it's not really all that true. Little Nell was certainly known by Jim Sharman and Brian Thompson before they even started doing Rocky. They ran in the same circles, and they were all Australian expats, right? Nell was well known to just busk all the time for fun, just tap dancing on the street for some extra cash, and well, just because she's Nell. But the story about the role being created for her, that's, that's kind of just a story. And his insistence that the Magenta character was created first can easily be attributed to how much of the actual meat of the role was transferred over to Magenta instead of just staying with the character that would be named Columbia. Right. As Pat lamented, Magenta might stand around a lot, but she stands around for a purpose. She's the maid, after all, and the actual Transylvanian. Magenta is the more central character to the plot, even though pretty much all of the dialogue and character development stayed with Columbia. That's why, when Rainer Burton wasn't able to play Rocky on the final night of the Theater Upstairs production, Jim Sharman thought Nell could play Rocky, recognizing that it made much more sense to have Magenta ad-lib Columbia's lines rather than the other way around. Yeah, and plus, with the entire, like, which was first thing, you're basically just talking about the order that the names are created in. And we know Columbia was the first name from the scrapbook pictures of Richard's original notes. Fun fact, while we're talking about names, did you guys know Riff was originally named Joe Vitus? What's that a reference to? It's a mashup of 60s British rock singer Joe Cocker and the name of a neurological disorder that causes spasmodic muscle convulsions. You know, commonly known as the St. Vitus dance. Cocker. <laughs> Vitus. I like Riff Raff better. I have a question. Who can, this is so bad. This is so bad. The 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 riff the riff raff, the guy, not the movie guy. The the guy with the teeth and the Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, my goal is to blow up and act like I don't know yeah. nobody. Yeah. What's that about? I don't know. I guess maybe that's next week's Nikki asks a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, wh what the fuck are you guys talking about? There's like about? a rapper guy. His name is Riff Raff. Yeah. He's like a personality. He's ridiculous. Yeah, it's probably a stage name that because you know, like riff raff, street rat. I yeah. don't buy that. It's probably like that, you know. Yeah. 
But oh, it mean, might be. He might be a secret Rocky fan. No, it could be. It no. Aaron, you're the one who does all the uh, all the research for Nikki asks a question. Maybe you should research that. I think we should do an episode about Riff Raff. Yeah. No, guys, stop it. You were talking about Horst Christian Simcoe. He was formerly a member of the rap group Three Loco, along with Andy Milanakis and Dirty Nasty, but he reunited on his Balloween and- twenty. 20- that's our show (laughs) we want to thank jill for writing in we love you jill me especially and we all really appreciate how much you support us and our show if you're enjoying rocky talkie please help us spread the word all about it all you got to do is rate review and subscribe on itunes it helps us make our podcast more visible to new listeners which helps us to grow the show we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. So please go check us out if you like us and want more content. And please write to us. We love hearing from all of our listeners. Getting messages from you makes our whole entire week, especially when it's you, Jill. We can't wait to hear about all the cool Rocky stuff you're working on and all the upcoming special events your cast are getting ready to do. We want to share it on our show and help you spread the word. If you're working on a Rocky-related project that you're excited about, if your cast is doing a show and you want to spread the word, or if you've got an amazing story from your Rocky Horror career, please go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to share with us. And please don't forget to send in your videos for Community Pre-Show Night! Ah! Yay! (laughs) We'll talk to you all next week! Bye! Bye! My goal is to blow up and act like I don't know nobody. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> so his debut studio album, Neon Icon, was released June twenty fourth, twenty fourteen, with uh-huh. Mad Descent. In April uh-huh. twenty sixteen, he had a joint partnership. God damn it! <laughs> oh. No, also, keep going. I had no idea that he rapped with Andy Milanakis. That is the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. I'm literally just reading the Wikipedia page. <laughs> It's Wait, fir- so what's the difference between Colombia and Colombia? The country Colombia is C O L O M B I A. Oh, there's an O in there. Yeah. Whatever. Of Whatever. Yeah. You One of it. them is like amazing for cocaine. The other one is a country in South America. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm done recording. Well, see ya. Take a sip of the snapple. Thanks, Cobweb. Thanks. What the hell? I thought that was Aaron. No, it was Cobweb. You're muted? Okay. We love that you guys are still plugging along with new show dates, and we're very hopeful that sometime soon they'll stick. Speaking of things that are sticky. (laughs) (laughs) From April 30th to May 2nd, 2021. According to their website, Spooky Empire has, <laughs> according to John, just the cat. <laughs> yeah, we're going to fix that. <laughs> Love you, Beetlejuice. So Christopher Carter, who is the show's director and the resident Brad Majors, has really put a lot of care into making sure that their virtual show is every bit as entertaining and fun as the live shows are. <laughs> I, I, I ran out of breath and i was like how do i save this r okay i gotta take a fucking deep breath for this one so all right johnny we can do this from jill not me so welcome to jill asks a question boopity boop zip zap whammy or whatever <laughs> what? anyway it's a good one john do the thing I'm going to take it again. (laughs) What the fuck is that line? Boopity boop, zimp, zam, whammy? (laughs) Zimp, zam, zoop, and pop, I'm going down the slope. I I just wanted to see if you'd read it. (laughs) Okay. Aaron's going to start putting dumb shit into the script. I will read whatever you put down so long as Like my tiny little nipples went to France. It'll be like in the middle of community news and Nikki's going to fucking read it. I I do not read the things before I say them. Clearly. (laughs) Okay. We're doing it one more time. I'm not doing your stupid fucking scat or whatever that is. Oh.
from Jill. Now we're king shaming. Yeah, it's oh a my different God. kind of OnlyFans account. From Jill. Not from me. So welcome to Jill Ask a Question. This is from the original 1973 cast recording. While I was tapping down the street, just I would really rather die. Um, he would in the stage show. (laughs) (laughs) You won't fucking do it, Nikki. (laughs) Can you take that line again? I'm sorry. I I missed my line. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he would in the stage show. Oh, yeah. My tiny little nipples went to France. Right. So this is one of those things that was lost in the translation to the film. When... God damn it. I had to see. I had to see. Did she, did she have a line between there? No. Oh, okay. Just like, oh, yeah, my tiny little nipples went to France. Yeah, this is one of those things that was just lost in translation to the film. Nikki just starts... Like, <laughs> regularly incorporating complete non-sequiturs in her script. And we just af- pass them off like they make sense. So, when Jim Sharman did his thing, I pooped. And then he said... <laughs> Darkness must go. Right, so Morphia is a derivative of the name Morpheus. I, I love her version of this, because it's... Do you guys remember this? Because she does this yes. like, everybody shoved him. I very nearly loved him. I said, hey, listen to me. Stay sane. Everything, it's, it's just, you mm. know, everything about her Columbia stresses me out. I remember like, because I really like the hot patootie, but she opens it up with like, hey, and it's like, bro. <laughs> what? I love Annalie Ashford and she can do no wrong, this included. <laughs> And we know Columbia was the first name from the scrapbook pictures of Richard's original notes. She was named after O'Brien's most favorite country. I hate you guys so much. (laughs) You know, Columbia. Because Nikki doesn't know the difference between Columbia and Columbia. Yes, that was the joke. Yeah, see, because because Nikki is stupid. Jesus Christ. Hey, Fun fact, while we're talking about names, did you guys know Riff was originally named Joe Vitus? What's like, that a reference to? <laughs> Joe Biden? <laughs> Joe Vitus. Vitus with a V. What is that a reference to? Uh, it's a... Oh, no, that's John's line. <laughs> <laughs> um, boop, boop. <laughs>